Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. Catalyst, a thing that speeds a reaction or increases its intensity. Uh, two presuppositions I'm going to remind you of quickly. Number one, God is at work. He's always at work. In your life, he's at work today. Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you can see it or not, God is at work in your life. The second presupposition is this. If he is at work, I want him to be at work to his maximum potential. I don't want to do anything that would hinder the work and the move of God in my life. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. I want to do whatever will enhance the work of God and get me out of the way so he can more fully own me and contain me and begin to work more efficiently and effectively in my life. So we're looking at what I've called spiritual catalysts. What are those things? What are those paradigms that increase the work of God and its intensity in our life? We've come up with a few. The first one we looked at was faith. Now, if you want to see the hand of God move in your life, begin to exercise your faith. The Word says all through it, the just shall live by faith. Man, faith is a mighty, mighty catalyst according to the work of God in your life. He moves in and through and by faith. Number two, we looked at service. Be actively engaged in service to God, and man, you're going to find that that's the place of His power and presence in your life. I, I rarely feel Him more clearly. I rarely feel Him more powerfully than when I'm somewhere serving someone, doing something in the name of Jesus Christ, that has absolutely nothing to do with me or is not for my benefit at all. That's where I find his power and his presence in a real way in my life. Service, what a catalyst to the, to the work of God in your life. Thirdly, we looked at the body and oh, to be around the body of Christ. That's a powerful thing. I tried to teach you that, man, it's, we are a part of something mighty when we are a part of the body of Christ. And if you're saved by grace through faith today, you're part of something much bigger than this old earth can understand or even contain. You're part of something much bigger than your mind can even conceive or contain today. You're a part of the body, the bride of Jesus Christ. He's the head of it, and what a powerful thing it is when the body begins to move in unison together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves, the word says together, as a manner of some is, but all the more exhort one another as you see the day approaching. So church, we need to be a united people moving together toward that great day of the Lord, and there's great power that comes when the church of Jesus Christ gets together. Today, I want to look briefly at this catalyst, a catalyst I call prayer. Prayer. I'm telling you, I just wonder. If there's anything more powerful than prayer in your life. I just wonder if you need anything much more than you need prayer in your life. Because every mighty move of God practically, I won't say every, but I believe God doesn't move mightily unless somebody somewhere is praying. I do believe that's true. I believe it's a catalyst for the hand of God to move. And I believe when these people get together and begin to earnestly pray that you can expect our Father to do something in heaven. I want you, if you've got a copy of the Word, to open it up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 9 through 13. I'm going to use this passage as a springboard, if you will, to share with you a few thoughts today about prayer. And as you turn in there, when you get there, you'll realize it's a model prayer, a passage very familiar to you. And man, I, I thought about this today. I remember a, a story of two guys that were betting one another who knew more about the Bible. Man, they were challenging one another, and one of them said to the other, I, I bet you $10. I bet you $10 you can't recite the Lord's Prayer right here. And he said, oh, I can do that. That's no problem at all. I can do that in a heartbeat. 
Man, he took him up on his bed and began to, to speak. He, he said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the other guy just shook his head, reached in his pocket, got his wallet out, took a tent out and said, I never believed you could do it. I just never, ever, <laughs> never believed you could do it. This is a familiar passage right here to you. Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to do something under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you can, if you can't, no worries. But if you can, I want you to stand to your feet and as we read this passage, I, I want you to read it, but I really want you to pray. Verse 9 says, after this manner, in, in this way, along these lines, this is how you ought to pray. Let's start together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I want you to read this with me strong. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give the Lord a good praise, and you can be seated right where you are. Church, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe there's something mighty really happens when the children of God begin to hit the throne of God and ask Him to do things. I heard a story in a small town on one occasion. It was a notoriously dry town. If you don't know what that means, that means there was no alcohol in it. It was dry. This one guy got the idea that he was going to build a bar in this town. He thought, what a great thing to do. So he went to the city council and petitioned them for a permit to be able to build a bar in this notoriously dry town. The city council granted him such a privilege, and he began to, to start on his work of building a bar. Well, the local church got a little bit incensed about this and a little outraged, so they got a group of people together, and they began to pray that this bar wouldn't be, ever be able to be opened. They began to pray that God would just do something to stop this move in their community that was unwelcome to them. And man, just as the building was completed, it would happen that a lightning bolt, listen to me now, struck this building and burned it right to the ground. Well, the bar owner became incensed, and he decided that he was going to sue the local church based on the fact that their prayers had caused his bar to burn down, and he thought he needed financial reparations. Well, the church in turn hired themselves a lawyer, and they formed a defense based on this term. There is no possible way that the prayers of the church could have caused that bar to burn down. Well, they gave this pre-court briefing to the judge. He read through it. And when he came out to hear the case, the first thing he said when he sat down on the bench, he said this, no matter the outcome of this case, one thing is for sure. This town has a bar owner that believes in the power of prayer and a bunch of church people that don't. Tell me y'all hear what I'm saying. Hey. Now listen. I don't want to be that church. I do not want to be that church. Glory to God, what a great day it'd be if I got a summons on my desk and somebody said, man, your prayers have cost us in the realm of the evil one. Your church's prayers have hurt us. And man, we're going to have to sue you for some financial reparation. That'd be a good day for this little pastor, I'm here to tell you. Listen, I believe in the power of prayer. 
I believe that when the church gets together and pray, God does some things. And oh, that we could pray well. Listen to me. Prayer is a spiritual catalyst extraordinaire, beloved, in the life of God's people and in the life of Christ's body. If you want to see him move, I challenge you to pray. You say, Pastor, I do. Well, here's my challenge to do you today. Do you want to pray better? Do you want to pray more diligently? Do you want to pray with more effectiveness? Do you want to pray and see God do something in this world around us today? Well, I'm going to give you a few thoughts. There's much teaching, much preaching, much studying. And man, I hope much practice of prayer in this church today. And all of it is needed and wonderful. There's no way that I could think in my limited ability that I'd even be able to add to what teaching is out there on prayer. But what I'm going to try to do is give you three thoughts today that I believe will help you. Pray more effectively. Pray more powerfully and see what God doesn't do in your life when you think this way about prayer. Number one, you have to think about prayer as an audience. You'll get more effective in prayer when you think about prayer as an audience. What does that mean? Prayer literally is this. You have the ear of your Heavenly Father. That's what it means. When you pray, you're just not praying out into space. You're praying to someone, and someone very particularly, your Father. Jesus began the model prayer this way, didn't he? He said, say this, our Father, our Father. Doesn't the word say uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, one of the most powerful passages on the provision of God through prayer in the whole word of God, Paul says this, My God, my Father shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. A very personal thing. When we pray, we have to pray understanding. We have an audience. We have the ear of our Heavenly Father. Now, I don't say too many things that are worth writing down. This might be one of them that will help you down the road. So I challenge you, if you write notes, this is the time. Get your pen out. The rest of it may not be worth a dime, but here you go. Right here. This might help you. Prayer, first of all, my friend, I want you to write this down. Prayer is not a religious exercise. It is a relational experience. Prayer is not a religious exercise. It is not about you coming to a group of people and getting in the right posture at the right time of day and saying the right things over and over and over again. It's not about a religious exercise at all. Prayer is a relational experience. Beloved, you are talking in reality to your daddy, your father. The word is Abba, daddy. When you pray today, you have the ear of your heavenly father. What a thought. Conversational or formal, short or long, calm or intense. He is your audience when you are in prayer. What a powerful thing. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's not one thing on this earth that my two girls are afraid to ask me for. Over 18 years and 14 years, they've asked me for everything you can... If you name it, they've probably asked me for it in some form or fashion. They don't hesitate to ask me for things. It doesn't matter if they've laid the groundwork. It doesn't matter if they have a cogent argument. All that really matters is that they have a perceived need in their life. And, beloved, they'll come running to their daddy. They're convinced their daddy can meet it and beyond their expectations at every hand's turn. They believe if they have a need, that if they can just get in touch with their dad... Somehow that need will be met. I got a phone call one day. It was my eldest daughter from school. I'm thinking, oh, my soul, has she broken dress code? And I'm going to have to I bring her some clothes to change into at school. If you go to rentals, that's just a little side note right there. You know what I'm talking about. I, I'm thinking, what has she done? Man, where is she at? And man, hear a little voice on the phone. And I know I'm in trouble when the first word out of her mouth is, Daddy, I know I'm in real trouble then. Daddy, I need taco meat for 
15 or 16 people and eat it. I'm on the yearbook team. We're having a taco bar today while we're working. I promised them that I'd bring the meat. I promised them I would. What's my first question? What time do you need this? She said 11.30. I look at my watch. You know what time it was? It was about 5 after 10. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> my next question was this. How long have you known about this? Parents, have you ever asked your kids that? Has that ever fell out of your How long have you known about this? I mean, you're asking me now? When did you make this promise? It would have been nice. How many of y'all ever said that? To at least known last night sometime would have been really nice. She said, can you do it? And that was her. Can you make this happen? I said, baby, do you know how much meat teenagers can eat? you know how much taco meat that is? Man, I'm telling you, we debated a little bit. Then I realized I didn't have much time for debate. I flew into action. I went down to food line, bought three or four pounds of hamburger meat, flew home, began to throw it in the, in the pan, start cooking. I got dishes everywhere. I'm seasoning. I'm mincing meat down while some's browning. I, I'm mixing spices together trying to get this taco meat made, man, because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the very best job I can with it. I mean, hey, I want it to taste good. I don't want them to think her dad's the worst taco meat preparer in the world, so I'm trying to do it the very best that I can. I'm sweating like crazy. Then I'm thinking, what in the world do I have that I can transport four pounds of taco meat in and still keep it hot? I, I'm trying to find things in the kitchen. And, and man, I don't do this regularly. This is not a place I'm used to be doing. So, man, I put it all together, run, pull up to the ramps. There's her little face with the door, just smiling like crazy. I run over and give it to her. She doesn't even kiss me. She just says, thank you, Daddy, and turns and runs and leaves me standing right outside that house. You know why? Because, man, that wasn't a big deal to her. She felt like, if I can get in touch with my daddy, he'll handle it. She didn't think about the cost. She didn't think about the effort. She didn't think that maybe I had something else to do. I mean, y'all, hey, maybe, maybe something else was going on. She just knew. If I can get in touch with my daddy in this moment, he's going to make something and how many times have I went to my heavenly father in a moment that I didn't even deserve to go to him in a moment where, where I knew I'd waited a long time longer than I should have a moment where I should have been to him years ago about this thing but here I am staring the need in the face and, and I just bow my head and I say daddy I, I need some help listen he doesn't castigate me he doesn't come against me he doesn't run me down he just says son why did you wait so long to come to me I'm here I'm anxious to be your father in your life and I'm going to do my best to meet your need in this moment how many of y'all can bear testimony that even in spite of you, even when he shouldn't have answered, there was your father to answer time and time and time again. And you'll pray more effectively when you realize the audience that you have. Prayer is an audience. He's talking to your daddy. Secondly, you'll pray more effectively also not only when you see prayer as an audience, but also when you see prayer as an alignment. Another famous passage in the book of, of 1 John that I want you to turn to, 1 John chapter 5. In verse 14, very, very famous passage on prayer. And I'm hustling. It reads this way. And this is the confidence that we have in who? Him. That's our dad, our heavenly father. That if we ask, what are those two words? Anything. What a statement. Now, I didn't say that. This is what the word of God says. If we ask 
anything, and read these four words clearly with me, according to His will, then He hears us. And let me tell you, if the Father hears you, don't you worry about anything else. It's done. According to His will. That's the key. According to His will. You've got to think about prayer as an alignment. An alignment. The first thing that we ought to, to do in prayer is say, Father, what do you think about this? When you take something to the Lord in prayer, rather than just a laundry list of requests, and I need this, and, and I need that, and, and i got to have this, and Father, you need to do that, and over here's this, and i got this. The first thing that we need to learn to do in prayer is to say, Dad, what do you think about this? What is your thought process according to this situation? What is your purpose? What is it that you want to accomplish? Rather than just me saying, that isn't right, this isn't right, God, you got to change this, and God, you got to change that. Listen, powerful prayer is predicated, beloved, on alignment to His will and purpose. Powerful prayer is predicated on alignment to His will and purpose. We need to learn to ask what He wants. Let me tell you something. God is never going to grant anything in your life that is not in alignment with His will and purpose for you. You can mark it down. You can pray. You can beg till you're blue in the face. And if it isn't the will of an almighty God for you in your life, it's not going to come to pass. There are some things. Now, taco meat, obviously, isn't one of them. But there are some things in my life that if my girls came to me and begged me for, if they pleaded, if they laid on the ground for three weeks and cried, trying to have, asking me to do something in their life, there are some things that if they came and asked me as their daddy, you know what I'd say to them forever? No, no, no. A thousand times no. I'm not going to do that for you. Why? Because I understand it's not good in their life. I understand it's not beneficial for them. It's not going to help them. It's not. And I'm going to say no every time they come and ask me for that thing. Well, there's some things in our lives when we pray, God's going to say no. If it's outside His will, He's going to say, uh-uh, I am sorry. That is not good for you. And I'm not going to bring that into your life and into existence in, in your realm. No, no, no. A thousand times no, He's going to say it. So we need to learn to understand what is the will of God for my life. Listen, there are a whole lot of things. I have a wonderful earthly father. And man, there's still things in my life where I call him and I say, man, Dad, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Now, maybe your earthly father isn't there for you to do that with. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, you have a heavenly father that you can go to. And what he really wants us to do in prayer is bow before him and say, Lord, I love you. Now, concerning these things, what is your will and what is your purpose? So that I might come into alignment with it. Because when you do, you find that you get his best for your life every time. You get his best. That's all he's going to give you. This is very best. So we need to learn to, to come into alignment. You say, Pastor, wow, this is a tough thing. And I say, yes, it is. Some things in life are crystal clear, aren't they? Uh, in regard to the will of God. There are some things in life we just know that are God's will for us. But there's a lot of things that just aren't so clear. Sometimes I find myself asking him, hey, Lord, this is a good thing, that's a good thing, and this is a good thing. Which is it that you want me to be about? What is it? So people say, Pastor, how do I know these things? Man, how do I know these things? I, I, I wish I could give you an ironclad way to know these things, but I want to give you some stuff in my life. This is just personal to me that I use that I find five things I'm going to give you. You can write them down. I promise not to preach them. You can contemplate on them. Five things I'm going to give you toward knowing the will of God for your life in a better and a more clear way. I'm going to give them to you one at a time. Number one, I find the more time I spend with Him, 
the more I know of his will for my life. I find the more time that I spend with him in prayer, in conversation, the more clearly I know the will of God for my life. Usually when I'm in a state of confusion and misunderstanding about what it is he wants me to do, I can look back at my life and find I ain't been spending a whole lot of time with him lately. And I find the more time I spend with him, the more I know of his will. Number two, the more time I spend in his word, the more I know of his will and purpose for my life. The more time I spend under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God, the more clear the will of God becomes for my life. The more I understand what it is He's wanting to do to me, in me, and through me, the more time I spend in His Word. Number three, this is not quite as easy. Thirdly, I want you to see that the more patience I exercise, I wrote that down because it's true for me, the more I learn to exercise patience, the more I know of His revealed will for my life. To wait on the Lord is a very biblical thing. Sometimes I'm guilty of saying, Father, i got to know now, 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 not, not tomorrow, now. If you could have told me yesterday, I wish you would have. But a very biblical precept is to learn to wait on the Father. Sometimes he just says, if you'll wait and be patient, I will show you. I can't even tell you now. I had not even got you in the place to be able to tell you now. So if you'll be a little patient, and I find the more patience I exercise, the more I know of the will of God. Number four, the more I purify my motivation, the more I really know of His will for my life. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? That means the more I really get to the place just to be able to say, God, I want what you want in this situation. The more I can truly do that, the more I find of His will and purpose in my life. You say, well, I do that, but do you mean it? Man, there's a lot of times that with my mouth I'm saying, Lord, just really whatever you want, I want. But I've got about 15 things in my heart that I really want out of this situation. And I find the more that I can really get to the place where I'm at the end of all my ideas and all my thoughts and all my abilities and all my options, and I get to the place just to say, God, really, really, whatever you want to do, I'm happy with. I find that his will gets really clear when I get in that place. Last one, number five. And this one's very practical. The more I do the things that I'm sure he wants me to do, the more I find of his will and purpose in my life. The more I just begin to do the things I know he wants me to do, all of a sudden those real difficult decisions get real clear in my life. The more I love my neighbor, I find the more of his will I understand. And I know he wants me to do that. The more I love him with all my heart, mind, and soul, the more clear things get in my life. The more I just show up being kind, tenderhearted, forgiving those around me, the more of his will and purpose I find in my life. The more I just know and do the things that he wants me to do, the more I'm sure of those things, and the more I begin to do them, the more of his will and purpose I find in my life. Go take those. Begin to use them. Learn to become in spiritual alignment. Prayer. You'll pray better when you understand prayer as an audience. Secondly, you'll pray better when you understand prayer as an alignment. Didn't the model prayer say, pray this, thy will be done. That's what we ought to pray. Lastly, and I'm going to hurry, you need to think of prayer as an agreement. If you've got a copy of the Word, look up, look up Matthew chapter 18, verses 18, 19, and 20. Another powerful, powerful passage on the Word of God. I'm not going to seek to exhaust it. I'm going to point you to one word in the middle of it. Matthew 18, 18 through 20 reads this way. Verily I say unto you whatsoever. These are red words in my Bible. That means this is Jesus speaking it. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Think about that. Verse 19. And again I say unto you that if two of you shall. And what's that word? Agree. 
agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. Listen to the, the power in this statement and the certainty. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 20, for where, here's the definition of the church I used last week. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It's important. There's great power in prayer when the body of Christ comes into what I call agreement. Now, here's two things. I'm going to give you two things today that are good. If you forget the rest, here's the second one. Write it down. Alignment, beloved. These are terms you hear bandied about in talking about prayer all the time. Alignment has to do with our relationship to heaven in prayer. Alignment has to do with our relationship to heaven in prayer. But listen to this. Agreement, beloved, has to do with our relationship to one another in prayer. Alignment has to do with what, is, what does God want in this? Agreement has to do with what are we? What's our heart's desire? How do we relate to one another in light of the revealed will of God? What is it that we can get together on? Agreement does mean yes. Yes, it does. As simply as you can say it, agreement means yes, but it's much more than that. I love the old ways. I, I really do. I pulled out my Strong's Concordance. I found this word agree in it. It's number 4856 for y'all that are Strong's aficionados. And when you look at it, you find that it is a musical term. You can't look at the meaning of it and not understand it's a musical term. It literally means this, to call out with accord, to be in harmony with. That's what it means. To sing a song in harmony. That's what it means. And can you think of anything more beautiful in prayer than the bride of Christ getting together and singing a harmonious song in prayer to the bridegroom? Can you think of anything that would move his heart more quickly? Why is it that he says, man, when y'all get in agreement and begin to sing like that, heaven, you can rest assured that whatever you begin to ask in those moments, you're going to see it come about. It's not hard when a choir gets to singing together to spot someone who's off-key, is it? It's not hard. I love the Andy Griffith show, man. On the other night was that one where Barney tried to join the choir. How many of y'all ever seen that? I mean, hey, he was telling everybody he had all the singing lessons and all that stuff, you know. And, and man got to the first practice. It became very clear that he did not belong in the choir in any way, shape, or form. I mean, everybody else was singing just pretty, in tune, in harmony. Good old 14A, welcome sweet springtime. Y'all you know I mean, we greet thee in song. I thought I'd try to sing off key. I don't even think I can do justice to what Barney Fife was doing in that moment. I don't even think I can do it. And man, I love the part where he walked out. Everybody's eyes are wide, mouth wide open. He walks out to John Masters and says, keep them singing if you will. I'll mill around, see if I can spot who's off in all this mess. You know? Sometimes we don't even know, do we? When it's us. And you see, that's a picture of what happens when the church comes together and prays corporately. And there's a reason that God honors the agreement of his church in prayer. When we're together in a corporate prayer meeting, isn't it very obvious when selfish prayer requests come up? Isn't it very obvious when the Lord is leading the tone of prayer of the body and the direction that the prayer is going to go and somebody decides they're going to stand up and interject their own idea and their own thought, it gets real obvious, doesn't it? Just like this. And what God is saying, oh, find that place of great agreement in prayer. 
among the bride. It has to do with us, beloved. It doesn't have to do with him. Listen, coming into agreement with God's will, let me tell you something. The will of God and the purposes of God are the will of God and the purposes of God, whether I agree with them or not. Do you understand that? It has little to do with whether that's his will and purpose or not. The thing that's really powerful is when the body of Christ can get in agreement with one another and say, Father, we've received your revealed will to us. Now what we're going to do is one harmonious tone, we're going to return that will and purpose to you. And then you know what's going to happen? It's not an if God's going to do it. It's a God's got to do it because he has obligated himself to meet that need when the body of Christ gets in, in agreement in prayer. A musical term. We'll do well when we understand that prayer is about audience, beloved. We'll do well when we understand uh, that, that prayer is about alignment with the will of God. We'll do prayer well, well in prayer when we understand it's about an agreement that we make between one another. If I were to ask y'all, and I'm not going to, but if I were to ask y'all all to stand up and just say yes, 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 over and over, just keep saying it, and then I were to start saying no, 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 could you hear me saying no, you think? Better believe you could. So prayer is coming into agreement. It's the church of Christ coming into agreement. And man, that'll move heaven every time that we can get there. Last word I want to give you is the word action. You got a purple sheet in your hand? Everybody, anybody not have one that need one? Lift your hand high. There's a stack of them back there. If anybody lifts their hands, John Lauder, I'm going to ask you to jump up and grab them. Keep your hands high so that John can get you one. They're right on that rail. Man, there's several over here, one in the middle. Some guys out here have got them. So make sure that everybody has one of these sheets. The Lord had us, has us as a body in a place of prayer. He really does. Man, Friday night I was blessed to be here praying with the men's ministry. If you missed it, my soul, what a dynamic time. And the Lord, don't miss the next one. This morning when I came in under the cover of a fog, there were men walking the perimeter of this property, getting into agreement with the will of the Lord that he protect this place and that he grow us and expand us. This Wednesday, see you at the poll, there'll be students and children praying all over this nation in agreement and in concert on that Wednesday morning. Don't you think that'll be a beautiful sound in the ear of our Heavenly Father? There'll be a prayer rally right here of all those students that's been around to tell what the Lord did through their prayers. With no accident, I did not choose this date. The Lord chose this date. And it was months ago that he chose this date that we'd be talking on prayer. He has this church body in a place of prayer. This morning, 925, first five, we had a ton of people down here praying, giving the first five minutes of our worship service to the Lord. Also before this service, we had people praying, the first five, giving him that time. Tuesday night, 7.07, we come into agreement on seven principles for our Empower Bible Conference coming up. And the Lord's challenging me today. Saturday nights, we pray. Man, there's people praying all over in Bible study fellowships, small groups, women's meetings, everywhere. People are praying for a mighty move of God. So I'm going to ask you, church, to maybe undertake a, a fasting commitment. We preached about this at the turn of the year, and we undertook a 21-day fast together. And here we are uh, today doing that again. This fast will begin today. It'll, it'll culminate, actually, on our October 12th Empower Bible Conference Day. Mark those dates, and, and church, we're going to begin to fast and, and ask the Lord to do some things. Now, I made this very simple. You can see that there's days of the week there that you need to read 
passages of Scripture. Man, it's no accident where we started, and it'll be no accident where we end. The others are just there to keep us in concert and to keep us in harmony and thinking the same way one with another. It's a very simple commitment up at the top of this. Beginning today, Sunday, September 21st, I am fasting blank. That's the means of your fast. It may be a certain kind of food. It may be sweets. It may be sugar. It may be something. But it needs to be spirit-led in your life, and it needs to be something you'll miss. I'm just honest with you. It needs to be something that you're actually giving to the Lord and saying, for 21 days, I'm going to give you this so that I can, I can see your hand move in the life of this body. I'm going to ask you to put below that two things you're going to ask of the Lord. One, a very personal request. Ask the Lord to do something as a result of your 21-day fast journey with Him. For you. Something that's personal. Secondly, I want you to put a corporate request. This is what, as you under-shepherd, God gave me to tell you to ask Him for in the next 21 days. A mighty move. Of God. I said, Pastor, explain that. I wish I could. I want him to do something so mighty that I can't explain it. A mighty move of God in our midst. A mighty move of God. You say, God's already doing great. You better believe he is. Listen, I got to baptize a little lady at 10 o'clock this past Wednesday morning right here in this sanctuary. That's the first time I've ever baptized somebody that hadn't been in a, a very traditional, very plain way. He just called me and said, can I do this? And I said, hey, hey, hallelujah. And for you guys that were there, what a time in the power and the presence of God. He's doing mighty, miraculous things in our midst. I'm just asking him to do something we can't explain, we can't plan on. A mighty move of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to give these to me. You keep them for yourself. I've got up here. I want you to learn to track what you ask God for too. I've got up here something that one of the ladies of our church and I have been talking about for quite some time. It's a journal that developed out of her personal prayer life. She's produced just a few of these. I've got one of them in my hands. If you'd be interested in having this, it's wonderful. It's got prayer promptings. It's got prayer passages of scripture. It's got intercessory pages. It's got personal pages. It's got a place for you to daily put people's names on there so you can pray for them in a systematic way. If you're interested in having one of those, go out. These are two ways of application and action I'm giving you today. There's a sign-up sheet out there. If you're at all interested in one of these, we're going to try to get them in your hands. So put your name and your contact information. I'd love for you to, to have one of them in your hand. I don't want to be a church that approaches prayer in tongue-in-cheek and says, well, this is something we do and something we hope the Lord hears. But we don't really believe there's a whole lot of power in it. I want to be a church. I want to be a Christian that says, look, we believe that when we pray, God hears and begins to act in our midst. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.